1: You're mastering the sourdough Your cold brew is homemade You can flip a pancake without touching a spatula Yes, your culinary skills have improved over the past year But don't stop there Talk to the experts at Best Buy to get the latest tech To take your food to the next level Cooking Chops Unlocked Details at bestbuy.com. Pretty much treated my daughter like she was an adult. So I would like give her a chance to talk back and you could have an opinion and we could sit down and have talk about this and like.
0: Hey people, it's your boy Ish and welcome to season three of the podcast. Now in this season, we have a lot in store for you, the listeners. But in case you're a new listener, let me reintroduce Loudly Saying It to you. This is a podcast that is aimed at young black men in the podcast, we talk about life, relationships, business, health, and any other topics you've always wanted to discuss, but we're too afraid to. Look, there's no judgment here, so let's just jump right in. Uh, what's up, my people? It's your boy Ish. Uh, today, I have Karan Carter joining me from my neighbor in the north, and I'm not talking about uh, Westeros. I'm not talking about any of the Game of Thrones places. I'm talking about Canada. For those of you who don't know, those of you who don't remember, Karn is uh, author of two books. Uh, one of them is Thoughts of a Fractured Soul, and the uh, most recent one is Beauty's Cars. And he's also the creator of Cry Magazine, which is my definite new thing on medium. Uh, I've been going through it, They're just consuming all all that content on it. You guys definitely want to get on that. So I'm just gonna go ahead and let Karn say hello to the people and. Uh I'm going to give you guys
1: what we want to talk about today. So, Khan, just go ahead and say hello to the people. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, my name is Kern Carter. Carter, yeah, and I am from Toronto, which is the real north, <laughs> especially True. compared to where you guys are out there. But um, yeah, like you said, I'm a I'm an author of two books. I'm also a freelance writer, so I uh, that's what I do for a living. I, I help other people kind of share their stories being a ghostwriter, uh, which is a very interesting kind of job to have, I guess you could say. I'm also a father. I have an 18 year old daughter. I'm a single father for for of an 18 year old daughter, and I'm just like I'm just an overall creative person who likes bringing people together. I think once we start talking about cry, that's that's really what I'm about. I really love bringing creative minds together. I love gathering people and, and elevating someone else's work, and I love telling stories. So that's that's really what I'm about.
0: No, that was awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, I did not mention the ghostwriting part. I was going to save that because I have a lot of questions for that. Okay. Today, we'll be talking about the struggles that Black men face when raising children, especially in the current space that we're in right now. Look, we all have struggles as parents. and But the thing is, with Black men raising teenagers, it's a whole different beast. Like These people are different species from us. Um, mm-hmm. They don't speak the same language we do. They don't think the same way we do. And it's just everything you say, even hello, can be misinterpreted to something completely different. Yes. Yeah. And I, and yeah. Definitely. Because I go through that every single day. Oh my god! I open the door. I say, "Hey, what you doing?" Uh oh, nothing." "Why?" It's like I was just checking on you, man. They're like yeah. I just want to know. That's it. Too-
1: I do like, that
0: all yeah, the time. <laughs> yeah, it's like everything is an attack to them. It's it's ridiculous. and that's why I was like, oh my god, there's somebody out there that gets exactly what I'm going through. Yes. Just, I everybody used to tell me like it's diff A-ish, it's different when it's a girl. I'm like, yeah, I don't think it is, but current, that's why you're here today. We're gonna talk about this. Like, is it different when you have a daughter? Uh because they're both 18, which is yeah. crazy. And um and when we're in different well we're still in America in the Americas, but you're in Canada I mean in the United States, so we should have some differences hopefully. Yeah. but uh, I still I still think uh, teenagers are just a whole different species. It's It's crazy the way they think. and I don't remember me being that way mm-hmm. growing up. But I'm pretty sure my mom would tell him, we say, well, you're probably the same way. Exactly. And because when when we speak and I tell him, I tell her, it's like, well, this is what he's doing. And she just goes, well, at least now you know what I was going through. And I'm like, no, I didn't do that stuff. But hey, and they're also being raised in a different uh, era where all these things is going on, like Black Lives Matter movement, uh, things that are going on in America, the things that are going on in Canada. And I was reading about some stuff in Canada. I believe there was a kid that was killed um, back in like 2010 or something, Junior Manning, mm-hmm. and that's that's the one that got me because it kind of reflective of what happened uh, over here recently, George Floyd, uh, where he was thrown on the floor and they applied pressure on his back and everything, he eventually died from that. And the Canadian police uh, denied that they even touched him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and. Uh, But it was witnesses that saw it uh, during the inquisition said, well, it was actually, they actually applied pressure to his back and everything. That's what caused his death. But we have that where I don't think there was that much videos or anything back then in 2010. But then we have what happened recently over here where there were videos and this guy was just comfortably on this guy's (laughs) neck for all that time watching the camera and doing yeah, it's like the the boldness of that action, and having uh, my son and thinking, "Hey, he's like almost six two now. This guy is almost six. He's way taller than me. Uh, is uh, like, got at least twenty pounds on me as well. I'm pretty sure he can take me, but it's just the fear that." I, he can never do it because I'm his dad. It's mm-hmm. yeah, like that mental block that I placed in there because <laughs> he, he tries to. So you got to get, it
1: early. It. Gotta get yeah, it early. You sure. got
0: to get it early. Yeah, early. I succeeded in that. <laughs> I got that in early. And um, just thinking about that, him seeing him going out in the streets and uh, maybe saying something and a uh, cop telling him something and just being teenagers and trying to be rebellious, trying to say, well, you can't tell me how to do that. And he tries that with me as well, uh, but it's, I understand he's a teenager. I understand that's their thing to try us. Mm-hmm. And um, I know how to react when he does that. And I know how to uh, kind of deescalate things like that. But then having a cop who has this uh, bias to say, well, here's this black, tall man, because he's not gonna be seen as a kid. Uh, he's trying to be uh, combative and my next best thing to do is to subdue him and the only way i can do that is by using force and so i think about that all the time and um and i've seen videos of how girls are being treated as well there was a video going around in social media of some girls in a swimming pool and the cops were called and they held this teenage girl just throwing her back and forth as if this was a wrestling match and i'm thinking it's like that's somebody's daughter out there yeah. that you're doing that kind of thing to. So, I just want you to speak on uh, what's going on like in Canada that that whenever you wake up in the morning that gets you's like, well, this could be my child. Like, how do I have that conversation with her?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the same things, and and it's and it's also different at the, at the same time. So it's the same because it's there's racism. So I live in Toronto. There's there's a lot of uh, diversity up here. Um, but I think people have to understand, like when I say there's differences, there's only about just over a million Black people in all of Canada, like the entire country. Um, and most of them live, live in Toronto, right? So my experience in Toronto is actually a very different experience than the rest of Canada would be. Uh, so we see it's, it's more normal for us here to see other Black people. It's more normal, normal for us here to interact with a bunch of different races, uh, Asian especially, Italian, Russian, everything like it's all it, that that diversity really is here. Um, but at the same time, even though that we are totally like uh, I'd say like a, a safe city and a, and a city that that's kind of figured out how to kind of let each of, each culture sh- like sh- express themselves in their own way, uh, we still have those same issues of of systematic racism. We still have companies or organizations where all the all the the directors and all the bosses are white. Uh, we still have problems of of people uh, saying racist things. I've I've gone through problems myself with cops. I've gone through being in a park. I was remember I was telling someone this. I was sitting in a park one time, and uh, in my in my car, I was by at my mom's area. My mom had moved to the suburbs by then, and and the cop just came out and and. Put me in handcuffs and I asked him why are you putting me in handcuffs? I'm just sitting here. He said, Oh, someone called the police and said you're out here selling drugs, <laughs> selling drugs. I'm like, check my car. I was so I was so open. I was like, check my car, take a breathalyzer, see if I was drunk. Um, I opened myself up to all that. And they still not only arrested me but took me to the station, impounded the car, everything. So we still have that stuff that happens. I would say the the a major difference is that you, when you do see a copy do feel nervous. Um I would be, and I'll have to speak for myself. But I, I think I could, I could speak for other black men too. In in Canada, when we see a cop, I wouldn't say we necessarily fear for our life. I think we we fear for our safety and our freedom. But we don't. In our mind, we're not like this cop is going to shoot me. I don't think that's the first thing that comes to our head. You know what I'm saying? We just, we're just like that's a cop. He could, he could come and try to mess up my car or something like that, which I've also gone through. Um, but yeah, I think I think the 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 main difference would be we don't necessarily fear for our life in the same way. Um, but we but we definitely um, we wanna we wanna debunk that whole system though because that whole system is 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 still very corrupted, um, still very still very disproportionately um, unfair towards black men and women. Uh, we had recent cases where uh, De- I, I believe his name was Defonte Miller, where uh, two undercover cops beat him so bad that he lost his eye, and their court case just got settled the other day. And it just the outcome just was enough. I think that they, 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 the 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 cops are not doing any jail time. If I'm correct,ed I might be wrong about that, right. but um, the charges, regardless anyway, were not were not sufficient. So uh, we 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 have those things. Those things still happen up here, and I think as long as there's black people and other races, that that's that's where it's, that's how it's going to be unfortunately
0: no oh, yeah that's crazy because um uh i actually had the same thing when i was pulled over a friend and i were driving to florida uh just to hang out spring break, uh, two young men just trying to go have fun and uh this cop trailed us for about five miles and uh eventually pulled us over and the came up with this bogus excuse because over here, the license plate, sometimes you have the decorative uh, frames around them. And my friend's car was registered in Maryland, but we were passing through Georgia. And he goes, well, having that frame around your license plate is illegal. Wow. But this guy does not live in Georgia. Why would that be illegal if I'm driving through? and pulled us over next, you know, two other cop cars came with the dogs, the sniffing dogs, everything. Wow. But do you guys mind us uh, searching the car? I was like, Go ahead and search the car. I was like, what you guys will find is a bunch of alcohol in the trunk because we we're about to go have fun in Florida. And they did that. They sat us for about maybe an hour or two hours. Just sat us on the side of the road on the highway. And then after a while, um we got a call and I uh, just kind of played it off. Like, Hey, oh well, yeah, played up as if I was talking to a lawyer uh-huh. and the next thing, you know, all the other cop cars disappeared. <laughs> uh, they say, you guys, you guys can go ahead and uh, go have fun, be safe. I'm like, well, and and I'll never, this place, I think it's Ryan County. I will never forget that county It's Ryan County wow. in Georgia. And I lived in Georgia for 11 years. Mm-hmm. That had never happened to me. So when that happened, that's when I started uh, focusing more on the police biases and all the stuff that's going on with the law. And uh, because coming from Africa, everybody's looks like me. Mm. When you, when you, when you're going up, it's either because you've, you've earned the education or you, or your dad is in there, whatever. Yes. There's corruption over there because sometimes it, hand these the titles down the generations like well i was a minister so my son is going to be a minister and all that stuff which we understand that's a whole different beast that we have to deal with in africa but i never had to worry about the color of my skin yeah say, well, I, would ne- I would not make it because i'm black because everybody else around me is black so when i came to america and everybody's talking about racism racism I knew it existed, but I'd never experienced it. So I yeah. didn't really know how to react to it until my very first time. I worked for this cable company. Uh, I took some ca- cable boxes out to this lady's house and knocked on the door. She saw the truck that I was driving has the name of the company on it. I had my ID badge on me. I had my uniform on me. And she told me to leave the thing uh, on the porch. And that she will take it in. I was like, ma'am, I was supposed to install this for you and make sure it works. Mm -hmm. And she goes, no, you can just leave it. You don't have to come to my house. And then I realized why she was saying Uh that. And I said, you know what? I just walked, I just checked like four of the houses down. Everybody was fine with me walking into their homes and doing this. And just you? So I "I refused to leave the box. Mm -hmm. That's what I said, look, I will take the box back to the office. You can drive yourself and come get it. But I'm not leaving it for you. And she called my boss and I got there. My boss understood because he was white. He understood what was going on, but he was trying to find a way to tell me without making uh. me feel bad about uh. it. So he said, "He said, you know what, this is what's been going on in America. I know you're new to America. but And try to kind of really finesse it and make it sound not as bad as it was. And then I picked up on it. I said, look, I don't care what she thinks or whatever. I am not living anything anywhere different. First, this is like a thousand dollar box. Yeah, yeah. So if I leave it out there, something happens to it. That's on me. That's on you. And the second, that's insulting. That that's how you that's how you think. That's how you uh, you feel. And and he just kind of he was the first person that kind of sat me down and said, okay, this is this is the world we live in in America. And yeah. now we sell we sell this dream that everybody wants to come to America. What they don't sell the, the dream they don't tell you is that when you come here, if you're black, you're treated as a second-rate uh, uh, second-class uh, citizen that's even if you're treated as a second-class citizen you wow. might even be treated worse and it was funny that it came from a white man teaching me about racism <laughs> in, in, in America because I was that, that was something I was not used to so yeah. and then I lived in Georgia which I ended up finding I was one of the worst places to live when uh in the south because southern states are considered more racist yeah and um i loved georgia um besides that experience i probably had like two or three other experiences there until i moved to maryland which i had a few more in maryland which i was shocked but mm-hmm. it's just knowing that this exists in a country where everybody looks up to mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be the like the ideal standard for the world with yeah soup the super nation where the the first world and all that stuff, but we're still going through this. And every time I see this on the news and my son was born in Africa too. So when he came, that is something I had to sit him down Uh and explain to him like, Hey, this is what happens when you do this, even though you might be innocent, they're still going to treat you as guilty. And it's not because they don't believe what you're saying. It's just because of how you look and it's not because they they don't want you here or anything it's just this is ingraining them some of them don't even realize it anymore it's just it's just second nature to them at this point i said so you have to watch how you navigate these relationships i'm like yeah every other team you can hang out with your friends your teenage friends and all that stuff you can have white friends and all that i don't care but you have to watch the way you interact with these people they can get in trouble the same way you do but they'll be treated completely different from the way you'll be treated. The outcome will be a lot different. (laughs) A lot, a lot different. And uh, because he looks at things, he's like, why can't I do this? Yeah, It's not that I don't want you to do it. I'm not trying to be this strict dad. I'm trying to prevent you from having fun. It's just, I want you to understand that if something goes wrong, it's a whole different thing of how you'll be treated versus how this other person will be treated. And, uh, it would take uh, us going to court and all that stuff just to prove your innocence. Where this other kid would just say, "Well, I didn't really know. I'm sorry," and there'll be just a slap on the wrist, and they say you can go home.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you this end is up having tough. to stay there.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's a struggle that I face uh, as far as that, and I know you you probably face the same thing as well. But um, one question I've always had because all my friends well i'm the one with the teenage with a teenage kid all the other ones are just starting to have babies now yeah so i have a i have my goddaughter who's uh she's just on one month Uh uh-huh she's a friend and i have another uh, another friend whose daughter is about maybe four so they're they're not there yet
1: yeah yeah they got
0: time Uh, they got time so and i've been already prepping my my best friend say hey look time is gonna come when she's gonna start dating (laughs) <laughs> and as a black father how how do you handle your daughter because i i will probably lose it because <laughs> how, how do you handle it because i feel it's like it's different for boys <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. and, and i know this is wrong because it's that society setting those standards yeah because uh, i feel like it's different for boys like my brother he uh when t- he's whenever my nephew like has like a, a breakup or anything my brother just goes like he needs to learn he'll suck it up he'll be fine yeah. I'm like, I feel like you now he just had a daughter, too, and she's about a couple of months old. I was like, I don't think he's going to be thinking the same no, way. like I guarantee you that know. level. So <laughs> how, how do you handle when it comes to stuff like that, like dating and having uh, friends of the
1: opposite sex? How how do you handle that? Me, uh, well, at first, we used to have this joke. When- your next career move could be your best. Verizon Retail is where people learn, grow and succeed. We offer the potential to earn up to $50,000 annually and amazing benefits that start on day one. Get perks including half off your wireless phone plan, up to $8,000 per year in tuition assistance, and a 401k match to help you reach your goals. Pursue your ambitions today. Learn more and apply at Verizon.com forward slash retail careers. She was like 10 years old. I'd be like, when are you going to get married? And she'd be like, when I'm 30. Like like that, we used to choke her out like that. Um, But no, no, we we're open. We have open conversations about these things all the time. So it's it it could be uncomfortable. So Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times, like we'll we'll be talking, and in my head, I'm just like really nervous about the conversation or really anxious about the conversation. But I don't, um, I don't ever want us to lose that openness with each other. So I, I, I just suck it up. I just like grit my teeth and, and have the conversation and sit there and listen to what she has to say instead of, um, instead of just being upset. And, and to be honest now, she's, she's 18, uh, even before she was 18, she was, she, my daughter is pretty mature, mm-hmm. uh, or I should say very mature. So, uh, I just trust her, man. Like I, I, I really do just trust her. I trust her decision-making. I trust that she's going to do the right thing. So it's it's not even me just giving your advice it's more most of the time it's me just listening and and if there's a chance for or an opportunity where i could offer some guidance and be like hey this is this is how i would handle the situation then i tell her and she she's usually open to listening and she'll come back to me and tell me how it went
0: yeah oh, that's 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 awesome because um and that's a struggle uh as far as black men we face because like you having your daughter i feel like you have to go that next level where you have to show that where i guess a taboo thing to say the emotional side because apparently men should not be emotional
1: yeah (laughs) Uh, that's
0: that's news to me um i don't i never went to that conference but uh uh, and having to and being a a single parent as well uh for me i know sometimes when we have conversations and i try to like kind of show emotions and he goes like wait what like, mm-hmm. what why, why are you trying to be? Why are you trying to be emotional and all that stuff? So, I guess that's why usually I'll just recruit my wife. And he would take that same message perfectly when it comes from her. Yeah. So coming from me, I guess he expects me to be this stern individual. He expects me to be this what uh, he's seen in, uh, on YouTube as the man of the house. And uh, he sees me trying to have this soft, as he considers, conversations with him. Yeah. And he he's not as receptive if it's mm-hmm. coming from me, mm-hmm. but and I see where you where you are at being a single parent. That's a whole different dynamic because it's just the two of you guys, and you guys have to be able to have those conversations. And I know society has taught us that we can't do that as as men, and even the black culture. Tuh. Promotes that, like, oh no, you 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 can't do that. Now you're not you're punk for doing that. It was like, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to have a conversation with my child. Yeah, and uh, and I know, like my brother, well, he's just he's a whole different person. Uh, and he's he's his thing is his kids will learn Mm -hmm. on their own some of these things because they need to just kind of learn this thing. I was like, well, maybe you want to set them up. A little bit to kind of yeah. say, "No, nah, don't, don't figure it out." I was like, "No, nah, you probably want to set them up so they understand what to expect." And he's like, "Well, once or like my nephew said, once he gets his heart broken several times, he'll get it." I'm mm-hmm. like, "No, why does he have to go through this several times to get it? Like, not because when you, you can just help that. him yeah. exactly." I said, it's <laughs> "Just because you you went through that." And uh, I love my brother, and I bug him all the time because. He would check on me and say, Hey, how you doing? It's like I'm fine. So I'm right, cool. I'm like, you know what? You could just say I love you, right? He's like, what? <laughs> I was like, you could just say I love you. You know, you don't have to be like this. And then he goes like, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> well,
0: I love you. I said I know you're not trying to say, it, but I love you too. And he's just uh, he was just like, whatever, man, you're weird. Uh. Uh, just things like that. Uh, and I have friends like that as well. Like they will hang around their their family members and maybe we're heading out somewhere. And then somebody like um um the mother will say, Hey, I love you, and just like oh, whatever, that lady, man. And mm. leave. It's like it's so hard to just say those words. Yeah. I'm like it's not gonna make you any less of a man. And uh, as parents, we we try to, and I know I'm guilty of this sometimes to so try to portray this like I'm the man of the house. I have when I say this, when I speak, you should tremble and ever mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But then when I do things like that, and I go back and I reflect upon it and say, Well, what am I teaching my sons? I'm teaching them the things I'm trying to go against. I'm teaching them that you have to be this to be considered a man. I'm not yeah. teaching them. Yeah, so it's hard trying to you know what a man quote-unquote society says a man should be but mm-hmm. you also know what you are as a person and there's that struggle where you know i'm a man it doesn't mean i have to be this emotional being but i tend to revert to society's definition every now and then
1: yeah because it's easier and, and also too it's, i think it's it's more so a question of 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 leadership you know like how do you how do you want to lead because if you're if you're a leader in your household um what what are those expectations like because even in in a single mother household the those same kind of uh that same aggressive kind of nature or that same uh let's say masculine kind of nature is they they express the same thing too sometimes the 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 single mother would express that too so i i think in the black community specifically it's a question of uh partly of of the survival um partly of of like leadership like this is this is how I was raised, especially like if you are talking about like our parents, parents from our, like our generation, they're going to say like, this is how I was raised. So like that, that's part of how you are because they come, they definitely come from that generation where it's like, I'm the man, you're the child, you, you do what I say. Like that's, and there is no, no, not too much hugging, not too much kissing and stuff like that. Um, so I mean, it's, it's just, it, it becomes complicated unless you've seen that, um, or have experienced that within your own family. So, Uh, I mean, I just, I just knew, or or I just tried because it's not like it's a, it's a perfect kind of system or a perfect kind of um, um, like relationship that we, that we have or perfect kind of parenting that I do. But I just, again, it's, it's for me, it's about trying to be open, um, trying to, trying to uh, uh, not get too caught up into the into the whole narrative that I have to be this kind of way to be a, a a man or to be a father and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I want her to be open. I want her to be emotional. I want her to express herself. Uh, but there's also like a balance. And I mean, there is a balance of, of again, being in charge and being a leader. So I, I look at those qualities more as, as leadership qualities. Like I just want to make sure that I'm a, I'm a strong leader, um, and that she sees my example and then she could look at me, um, and see how I operate and see that like, I wake up every morning to make like 530 every morning to make sure I'm, I'm getting my writing in. Uh, she sees the progress of, of, of where we came from before, as far as, as far as our financial status and our, our, our our economic status, uh, to, to where we are right now. So she's seen the entire kind of vision. That's kind of the, one of the benefits of having a child young, they get to see you grow. So she's seen that entire vision. So I, I think of that, that, that narrative of a man has to be, uh, like super masculine and type a and i i try to make sure that that i infuse some some reality into it because it can't be that all the time it definitely when you're not a single definitely when you're a single father just can't be like that all the time but you can be a strong leader you can be a a a vulnerable leader at the same time and you can still be a a man of your word and someone who commands respect and and but still be sensitive so i i think it's just balance and and um again being a, a leader and understanding your family
0: no, oh, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. And another thing is, um, I've, I've always felt like it's okay for your kids to see that you've, you've had mistakes as well. Yes. And uh, it's because I know when I was growing up, it's for some reason, none, none of the adults around me ever had anything less than a B, uh, an A in a class <laughs> <laughs> like, when I was in school. Uh, I was like, really? Did you always have an A though? and uh because it's miraculously they forgot all the c's that they had they did the older they get the more <laughs> A's they start getting in their classes in their minds and it's like i never failed a class when i was in school i was like really if i ask your mom right now that we should tell me the same thing yeah and uh like that generation especially like the black community and this is common amongst africans haitians and um mm-hmm. the caribbeans and all that stuff it's there's this thing that they like say you do this because i say so yes. right? you don't even ask you don't even want to say like give your own perspective because that's going to be something mm-hmm. and i've seen friends of mine get uh, tre- uh, raising their kids the same way Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say that I'm fortunate enough to be in a different space, like in a, a different society where it's okay to express yourself more mm-hmm. because some of my friends that are still in Africa, sit back home, are raising their kids the same way they were raised mm. because that's the only thing they know. Exactly. And being exposed to different things, seeing my non-black friends raising their kids in different ways, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Mm. that is not a bad way to do it yes if you sit down and have a conversation with your child it's not gonna make them uh any worse than whooping them every single day thank you
1: thank yeah, you my my mom my mom gets so or used to anyway she gets so mad at me because i was so like i would do that i would i pretty much treated my daughter like she was an adult so i would yeah. like give her a chance to talk back and you could have an opinion and we could sit down and have talk about this and like you want you want to do something tell me what you want to do and tell me why you want to do it and you, you let's go let's 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 make that happen you know and i wasn't i never hit her uh never like we barely even scream like we don't even get into arguments and stuff like that like if she gets rude we we, we talk it out so that that used to bother my mom to no egg because she's like no you gotta be like just you know like because I'm, I'm born in trinidad so i'm from the caribbean yeah i'm from the caribbean so i, I came to toronto when i was really young, about six years old but I come from that Caribbean, West Indian background of kids are seen, not heard. You do as I do as I, whatever you, whatever I say, you do it. And like you just said, it's zero questions asked. So, and we, it's so similar. Like it's, it's that we have a similar story because I saw of the way other people raise their kids. um, And, and I, although I had my daughter young, uh, I was able to, to kind of incorporate those other lessons and be like, that's like, I like that style better. I like being able to to have the conversation. I like being able to like have my daughter kind of talk back a little bit so she could express herself and feel like she has an opinion, no matter how old she is. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, that it, it just works. It, it ends up working better. I think, I think Michelle Obama said something really, really, um, powerful the other day or in her book, I should say, she said that, um, her parents had the similar style like we're talking about. Um, like she, they, she, their, her parents raised her like we raised. We're raising our kids, and she said that the reason her parents did that because they always said, "I'm raising, I'm raising, um, I'm raising adults. I'm raising them to be adults. I'm not raising them to be kids." You know what I mean? So she, why would I treat them like a kid? You know what I'm saying? So and again, it comes down to to definitely having a little bit of trust in your parenting and trust in your child to be like, you know what, like what I'm telling them. Is going to come through so even if i i feel like i'm so confident my daughter's like even if she goes a little bit left i know she'll never go too far because she has a really strong foundation so when she tries a little bit of this over here um that's fine you know the experiment i know i trust that she'll come back center and and be fine now you
0: see that's that's something that um like i was saying that our parents just don't have that trust Mm -hmm. that hey like even up to now like they see something i get a phone call so you're just gonna go ahead and do that it's like i'm in my 30s i'm a grown man i have kids i have a job i have a house i'm a grown grown man like why am i being called out for my actions like really It's like, well i just want to make sure you you understand the ramifications like i get it like I honestly get like i'm a grown man like, trust me i can handle it whatever it is i can handle it but yeah. and I, I know it's they just they can't help it they, can. they can't help it that's just their generation that's what they they're they, how they were raised and they're just they believe they're doing what's best for us and so like I know my mom when she hears that one of her grandkids is doing this, like she's like, Really? I can't believe he's doing this. Like, just let him be. He'll be fine, trust me. Like we we let them do whatever. Like my son, he wanted to pierce his ears. It's like when he turned 18, mm-hmm. you can go for yourself and do it. But it's just because my schedule is so crazy, like I don't have the time to go. said it's not that I don't want you to do it, but you can definitely do it. I, after, on the death of his birthday, actually. Mm-hmm. He woke up that morning, he was like, dad, uh, I'm 18. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so I know. He's like, well, you told me when I was 18, I can pierce money, I said, okay, fine. Yeah. So he went Do to it. the mall, yeah. he did it, ended up paying like a ridiculous amount for it. And then found out that he was just kind of duped to the price, he could have got, gotten it done for way cheaper. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I was like, well, welcome to the real world. Welcome like, to I'm, the real world. I said, that's what happens. <laughs> That's what happens. It's like, oh, well, I didn't know. So they gave him this fancy spray and it's just a saline spray. I say, you know, you could have just done salt water, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, really? I was like, well, now you've learned. Yeah. This is yeah. what happens to adults. Uh, but it's, it's definitely refreshing to hear that there are people out there in our generation trying to raise their kids in a better way. And I know it's not just the two of us in the black yeah. community. And I hope it's not just the two of us because... There's a lot of black uh, teenagers out there that need uh, somebody that's thinking different. Yeah, uh, That is there to raise, like you said, Michelle said, raise adults and yeah. not kids. Because especially what is going on in the, in, the, in the world right now, that's what we need. We need uh, adults. We need yes. people that know how to navigate and how to uh, push the, the next generation further and help promote the culture. Because um, honestly, I'm going to say this, uh, the people on YouTube is not it. Because nope. what people fail to realize is some of these people, are ju- these are entertainers. Thank you. In their real lives, I don't believe that's all they do. <laughs> these are entertainers. They entertain us. They do the things that we want to see them do on social media. And then we don't see them 24 hours a day. Exactly. We don't know what they do when they're off social media. Uh, mm-hmm. They live their lives. They they have families. We see these people with their families thriving, but then when we see them on social media, they're singing about all these different things. So there's a disconnect. right? your family is like the fam- any other regular family, but on social media you act one way. Yeah, but uh, that's definitely something I tell him to just pay attention to. I say, hey, as much as you're watching these people do these things, I want you to also watch these other people and see what they're doing and yeah. I want you to try to pick uh, the two from the two things, the most positive uh, features or the most positive things that are going to work for you and then I want you to apply that. Yeah. And I was like, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, things are going to happen. You're not going to always like your, the, this, the, the results of your decisions, but it's a learning process. I was like, I'm always here if you need help. I'm always here. You can always come ask. Always? You. Yeah, we will sit in a car, and this kid will not say a single word to me. Like the last time we drove all the way to go see his grandma in Georgia, we drove ten hours. Uh I think he said like five words to me. (laughs) (laughs) He was just on social media all the way down. He talks more to my wife than he does to me. And um, but now I think now that we work together, when we're driving home, we have good conversations and all that stuff. So I think it was just him seeing me in my element and seeing, yeah. cause every day he sees me go and then I'll come back. But now seeing what I do, seeing how I interact with people and I see how people look up to me and then it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. I see. I see. So
1: Still now we have a different have com-
0: part of that now. We have, a com- we have conversations. We have conversations about work. He's so excited to, t- to tell me about his experience at work. And when we're at work, I don't, I don't interfere with what he does. And I tell everybody to treat him like any other employee um, I like I treat him like any other employee. I get back to the dish, uh, the dish room. I say, hey, can you wash these dishes for me, please? Because that's what I would do to any other dishwasher. Like, hey, when you're done with this, can you do this? Can you do this? And then I'll I'll leave, and I'm not in his face all day. Mm. Even I guess that was his fear because he 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 postponed this working with me for a long time. Mm. Like, oh well, I want to look for a job with Walmart first. With this, with this, I said, like, dude. Come work for me, like, you know, your interview is going to be so simple. Just come work yeah. for me. He's like, oh, and he went to all these interviews and everything. Nobody called him back. I'm like, I'm still open. I mean, you can always come. Eventually, he's like, you know what? I'll come work. And then he's seen that I guess he was scared that he's going to spend all this time with me at home mm-hmm. and then he's going to have to deal with me at work. It's like, yeah. nope, you don't have to deal with me at work. Do your job. So it doesn't work in my department. It works in a different department. It's like, do your job, do what your boss tells you to do, and you'll be, you'll be good. Yeah. But um, that's, uh, man, we can have this conversation all day because it's... So-
1: With more time at home, your culinary skills have improved. But don't stop there. The selection and expertise at Best Buy can help you get the latest tech to take your skills to the next level. Cooking chops unlocked. Details at bestbuy.com. Support for this episode has been provided by George Washington's Mount Vernon. Offering 160 wide-open, wanderable acres, Mount Vernon invites you to connect with over 200 years of history. Far more than a mansion, the first president's estate is home to four picturesque gardens and shaded woodland trails, even a cruise of the Potomac River. Visit mountvernon.org to learn more. To save 20% on tickets, use promo code OPEN
0: so much stuff that goes about being parents and just like our backgrounds and the kids we are raising. And uh, for me, uh, one of the major things of how I deal with him as a teenager is because I know his brothers are looking up to him Mm -hmm. and they're going to see how he reacts, how he acts when he's out there and they're going to learn from him. Mm -hmm. And I tell him all the time, I said, look, some of the times I ask you to do certain things, it's not because I'm just trying to be a certain way. It's just I want you to understand that you're an example for your your younger brothers. and mm-hmm. uh, They're going to see how you act, and they, they're going to follow suit. If you're doing a certain thing, they're going to want to try it too. And it's up to you. I said at some point, it's going to be up to you. You're going to be the one calling them out on it. I said, my brothers do that to me all the time. When I do something, my older brother will come and say, look, there's one thing that you don't do is mm-hmm. call your mother get on the phone and call and talk to her but i'm not the person that likes talking on the phone mm-hmm. it's like i know that you don't like talking to the phone but your mom doesn't know that and she yeah. even though she does she doesn't accept it yeah yeah so just give her a call hold on to the phone and listen <laughs>
1: wow. we're definitely alike i'm the same way too i struggle with that and, and my mom gets upset at me she she calls me and like you can't call your mother blah, blah, oh blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah i just oh, talked I to you phone. three days ago yeah i
0: got the phone call <laughs> Uh, this is your mother I'm like you don't think I can recognize your voice like you don't think I know what you sound like every voice "mom" on starts, my
1: phone when you call it yeah says
0: mom. every voice every voicemail starts that way this is your mother I'm like yeah I'm pretty sure I knew it was you but okay and we'll have a conversation it'll be like a one-hour conversation and yeah. we're done and then i'll call my brother I say, oh my god i just had a one-hour conversation with her it's like well at least now she's good for the next week yeah, yeah. so just be ready for the next call that's what he does and then, so it's just like that I tell him it's like look you're gonna be the one to tell your brothers okay this is what that da- this is how dad is this is how mom is this is how you have to navigate dealing with them and i'm they're gonna look up because the age difference the next one is six and he's 18 so there's a big gap so i'm like hmm. they're probably gonna be stealing your car and riding it around town so i just want you to know that you're gonna be like a second parent to them because of the age gap and that's how my that's how my brothers are like to me like second parents to me because Mm -hmm. whenever i need something i I reach out to them and all that stuff and i appreciate having all the siblings because uh like my brother used to uh, let me like hey you need to go through the struggle you need to understand what it means to be an adult like i reach, just say hey i'm broke when i was in college he's like well i'm sorry man you're gonna have to just eat that those noodles for the next month until your next paycheck comes in or your yeah. next refund check comes in but i appreciate that now because i am better for it because uh if you'd done all that for me all that time i don't think i would be, been able to push myself to do certain things that got me to where I am now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but, uh, man, uh, I want you, I want to go now into Cry, because, mm-hmm. like I said, that's my favorite thing right now on Medium. And I discovered Medium a while back, and I even got started, I wrote a few articles on Medium myself. But that when I found Cry, I was like, man, I read Men Are Drowning, and I just kept going and going, but yeah, yeah. Men, are, Men Are Drowning is... For anybody out there, if you're looking for something to read, uh, if you're a Black man, you definitely need to read this. And I feel like it speaks to uh, a struggle that And I know it's for all men, but as a Black mm-hmm. man, I think it speaks to a struggle that we go through, mm-hmm. that we expect it to be this uh, particular type of uh, being, even though we're struggling to fit that that box or that image. But we can't. We can't help. It. We just have to stay. Uh, with What society tells us, or what the black culture tells us, who we who we should be. Yeah. And uh, and that I feel like that's how we also treat black women. Because another mm. issue we've been having is we black women protect black men, but we're not protecting black women, mm. and that's because in our culture, it's okay to do that. It's uh, it's almost um uh, because it's on it's on the t the music we videos we we see it's yeah. on all these things how we treat them it's on the in the the films we watch mm-hmm. uh we see how the what was this movie i think it was baby boy with tyrese yeah, yeah that's yeah, tyrese stuff. and snoop dogg yep yeah uh, stuff like that we see how uh the black man was treated like a baby the movie is called baby boy
1: yeah <laughs> i just took that in. i just realized that you're right yeah. Yeah.
0: So he was treated like a kid, and everything. Mom protected him, and everything. Yeah. And then you have this, uh, this image of a, uh, like this father figure who's trying to teach him to be a man. It's like stop being a baby and all that stuff. Yeah. Like you have to. So it's either you're being treated as a baby, or you're supposed to be this aggressive type A person. There was no in between. There was no middle uh, middle ground where okay, you don't have to be as aggressive. And you don't have to be a baby either. And um, we we shown to told to not show emotions. Uh, we're not supposed to be upset when uh, when somebody dies. We're supposed to just like men don't cry. I'm like, why why can't I cry? Like, come on, like you're hurt. And uh, in in society now, it's when friends uh, get killed or whatever you are supposed to retaliate. You're supposed to go find a gun and do the same thing to the whoever did it. Like you, You're not told to, or let the law handle it. It's like, if you don't do it, how can you call yourself a man if you can't avenge your friend's death? Oh, if a cop t- pulls you over, how can you call yourself a man if you don't try to defend yourself? And we, like, especially black men, we forget sometimes when we're in that situation that these people already have a bias towards us. And now we're trying to be aggressive because I feel like you disrespected me as a man, trying to tell me, oh, to sit on the floor or to to keep quiet or whatever, while you do something, which I know you're wrong for pulling me over, but now you're disrespecting me and I can't allow that. That's how we end up having these uh, numbers go up uh, another on uh, black man shot or stuff like that and i'm not saying that's all what happens in every situation but it's just when i was reading it those are the things that were coming to my mind it's like these are the things that society is par- are partly responsible for it mm. well i say 90% responsible for it yeah because that's what they've they've taught us to be that's like oh as a black man you can't you can't have this kind of conversations like when I have conversations with my uh, my employees and stuff, and certain conversations, they say, like, "Wow, like you feel comfortable having this conversation?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a human <laughs> being, right?" Like, yeah, human first. C- yeah, certain things happen that you you have to you have to deal with it emotionally. it's like, well, I've never met any other black men that ha- have conversations like this. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, you've not met somebody. That should have these kind of conversations with you because guess what, it's teaching you to do the, uh, raise your kids uh, the same way and tell them that they can't express themselves, they they can't be upset. You're telling them they have to be aggressive. You're telling them that if somebody steps out of line, they have to uh, push back uh, and be combative and all that stuff. And you teaching your your young sons that a real man don't cry. You got to be strong you got to be uh able to defend your your honor and i've had i've had to terminate people just because they had a guest that probably these are you're in the restaurant industry customers are going to try it. Uh. they go out to eat they feel like they own the world I And mean, they're going to say something and then the a server will get really upset oh he disrespected me i was like what by telling you that the spoon was dirty yeah, that maybe you need maybe you need to do something better. You need to do better with your with your service. Really? This one was freaking dirty. You need to do yeah. better with the service. That's all he said. Oh no, no, it's the way he said it. What do you mean the way he said? That's the worst thing that I don't that like hearing there. It's the way he
1: said it. Yeah.
0: I mean, what does that even mean, the way he said it? And uh it's like, oh no, I'm I'm not about to let somebody disrespect me. I'm a man. I was like, I can see that you're a man. Hmm. But mm. the way you act right now is not telling me that you're a man. Exactly. And oh, and I, I push them all the time. Like I push them all the time because I want to challenge them to understand the difference between what society tells them a man should be and how they should act. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, that definition is uh, your own to 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 make. It's I'm a man, I'm also uh, a person that would express my emotions when mm-hmm. I feel upset. Uh, I will cry if I'm sad, mm-hmm. uh, if, uh, if I will laugh as well, if I'm happy, if something, if there's something on TV that sometimes gets really sappy, mm-hmm. I'll feel emotional about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes hide it from my wife because she'll make fun of me, <laughs> but i I'll feel yeah, emotional yeah. about it. But, and it's so hard to have conversations like that with uh, a lot of black men because it becomes like, oh, really? Like yo wuss, you are this, and there's all these terms for men that express themselves. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I feel like I don't. I don't, maybe I was just have you kind of express like where you were coming from uh, when you when you wrote that piece.
1: Yeah, I I, I was really coming from the perspective of um, of actually going on the other side. I was struggling with it, so I was mm-hmm. I was, you know, being a single father, it was just me and my daughter. I was just like we've been through so much. I didn't. And, and and when, if there was a moment where something was off or I was really struggling with something, I just didn't want her to see that. I, I And that's that's where my struggle was. And then there it, it came a point where I was like, this is actually not good. Like I I caught myself, you know what I'm trying to say? Because even though I was struggling, I didn't want to express the struggle. I didn't want to express that emotion. And then I'm like, no, 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 this is the wrong way to go about it. I need to be like, I'm not feeling good right now. I'm off right now. This has been a hard day right now. I'm stressed out right now. I need to be able to say those things, but I had already been conditioned again, like kind of what you were speaking about before. I'd already been conditioned to be like, nah, I'm like, I'm going to detach myself from that situation. Uh, I don't want it to see, to think that I'm weak blah, 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 blah. Like that's, that's how I was thinking. Like, I don't want to think that I'm weak, you know? So it was actually, I came from that position of struggling. And then when I, when I identified that in myself, I was like, Oh wow, this is probably what so many men go through. You know what I'm saying? And then I was able to relate it to that, uh, that story of when I was younger, we were talking about this off air a little bit when I was younger and I, I literally almost drowned. So I was, I was in a pool with my friend at my friend's pool. And I like kind of just, uh, I stepped into the deep end because I went from shallow to deep, and I stepped into the deep end, and I almost drowned. So I, I kind of uh, compared those two stories and said that men are men are are literally drowning because we feel like we can't. We can't be ourselves. We can't be our full selves because society has already put us into a box where they expect us to be this way, and and you can magnify that times hundred for black men because we put ourselves in a deeper box um, that says we definitely can only be this way, um, and if you're not this way, then you're you're not a black man. You know what I'm trying to say. So uh, we we that that struggle has been something that, that even though I'm not like. I was not, I'm not saying I was ever a a super aggressive person and stuff like that, but I was, I, I, the emotional part, I always try to distance myself from that. And, and it got to a point, like I said, it was just, um, I realized I was doing myself a disservice because my daughter's watching me my daughter's saying like, oh, I don't have to be emotional either then. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if he could, if he could just get through it and he's not, you know, ever stressed out or he's not ever, um down or he's not ever sad or i don't ever see him cry or out like if she's seen that she's gonna be like that's okay too and that's not okay i i have to go back and tell her so many times like yo you could be emotional you could you know like i have to physically tell her verbally tell her because i know it's been it was years of her watching me just kind of like disassociate myself from that emotion so it it's it's definitely not instinctual the instinct is to be the what uh, what society says is a man that's the instinct um uh, so you have to find find a balance. And and like I said, it's, it's possible to be a great leader because I think that's what, um, in a, in a sideways kind of way, I think that's kind of what men are worried about, um, is like, how can I be a leader and be vulnerable? How can I be a leader to my child and be soft? How can I be a leader and, and express all this emotion? Like she can't, or he can't see that you know what i'm saying so we we need to kind of separate those two things and say like yeah you could be a leader of your household you could be you could be a teacher to your children be a guide to your children be an inspiration and a mentor to your children and at the same time um still still express all those emotions because that's life if you don't express those emotions they're going to come out in some way that's another thing that i realized it's going to eventually it's going to come out in some way and and the way you, it comes out, you, it might not be one that you can control, um, or it might come out at a time that you really don't, don't need it to come out. So it, one way or another, the emotions are going to come out that that's, like I said, I, I learned that I learned that kind of the hard way. So I, the men are drowning piece was based a hundred percent on that as based on my own personal struggle. And if, and obviously you read the piece and even in the piece, I'm struggling with it. Um, they come into terms with exactly how to, how to, um, how to adapt that, that new mentality to, uh, to the teachings of my daughter and, the t- and my, and my abilities as parents. So, and I take that stuff seriously. I, I, I take, I, I, I tr- actually try and to improve myself as a person. I actually, put focus into being a better person, actually put focus into being a better parent. Like I think about it, just like how we're having a conversation here. I think about ways where I could interact with my daughter on a better level. Think about ways where I could inspire her differently. I think about ways where I could be better um, emotionally. So I'm always checking myself. I'm always trying to do that. So that was one of those moments where i was just like checking myself and it came out into uh men are drowning and people like a lot of people responded to that piece again it's one of my favorite pieces and one of the pieces that gets the most reaction and i think it's because it's just very real
0: no yeah definitely because um like i said it uh, like as soon as i started reading it i was like oh my god like this is definitely me and the crazy part like you just talked about almost drowning when you were younger and um i shared with you off air that the same thing happened to me So that's why I was like, wow, not only did we have uh, almost an identical experience, but like what you, you're you writing right now speaks deeply to me. And uh, my piece actually was called Men Hurt Too.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah so,
0: um, Same thing. Yes, because a lot of people, and I think I wrote that several years ago and uh, people were reading it. It's like, yeah, I like, actually see what you're saying, but what they were not saying is like, this resonates with me as a black man. No, uh, just saying, like, yeah, this is an interesting piece. I really like it, but I feel like it's because some there was something in there that was seeing something, saying, "Well, yeah, it resonates with me." The same way I read your piece, I was like, "Yeah, I feel it," uh, and I know a lot of black men will read it and see it. Some people might struggle with it to try to accept it. But what I love the most about it is you didn't end up making like a, a say, okay, this is the final call. This is what I think should happen. You just left it open. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. left it open. Like, I'm not telling you whether it's wrong to do one way or the other, but I just want to let you know, men are <laughs> drowning. Yeah. And I, and I love that because uh, it gives them that opportunity to say, okay, let me make my own call on this one. Like, mm-hmm. how do I feel about it at the end of it? Have to have reflected on everything he said and see how that relates to my life. What do I think? Yeah, and um, I think that's that's a that's a great that's a great piece, man. That like, that piece is still it's like just thinking about it right now. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. Getting more more stuff out of it. And um, thank you. And like like I said, I you can relate that thing to how we black men do certain things now. Like I was talking about how we relate to black women. Yeah. Is because uh, society has taught us to do that. Yeah. As much as we want to disagree with that, we don't treat black women the same way they treat us. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, that's something we need to work on as black men. And uh, yeah. I think we my need to get generation a lot
1: better. A lot yeah.
0: better, you're right. Yeah, my generation has to do we have to do uh more about that. Cause I know there was this uh Black Lives Matter activist in I think I believe it was in Florida, I forgot her name uh she she was killed by a black man i was like can you imagine you've been out there fighting to protect black lives just for your life to be taken by a black man
1: that that is and i was like, can't even begin to explain what that must feel like yeah so
0: when I, I i i read the news i was like why are you kidding me right now like we're literally in this we're in the middle of it and you're doing this yeah. Like you're basically giving them the, the tools to dismantle our movement. You're telling them, like, well, you're fighting us for being racist and whatever, but look at what he just did to one of your activists. Mm. And that wasn't even a white guy that you're saying we're racist, it's one of yours. Yeah yeah so it's we, we we're doing it to ourselves sometimes like we we're uh sabotaging our, our own progress sometimes
1: yeah and, i think uh, we need to i think we need to also you're 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 absolutely right and i think <laughs> hope I, I i hope we can get to a point where we could actually have that conversation as a separate conversation from from the police brutality stuff and what exactly, we're trying to accomplish yeah. on that because that's one thing that that's totally correct and totally happening on that side that's like an external factor that's Kind of infiltrating our community and destroying it right Mm -hmm. police brutality and stuff like that on the other side which is a separate conversation is just like internally like how can we do better within our communities right how can we stop um treat our women better how can we uh project better messages how can we stop this violence um that we're having internally within our communities um how can we raise better children like those are things that are internally within our communities we need to do way better you know what i'm trying to say so i think right now it's just it's a sensitive time so bringing up those topics sometimes people think that you're oh you're just saying like like you're not talking you're not in, exactly. in line with the blm movement and i'm just like no i'm not saying i'm saying that's yeah do that that's a hundred percent important but on this side, this is important too. I think it should be happening simultaneously because um, we can't grow as a community if we're not helping ourselves. it's it's not literally yet. impossible. Like, I don't yet. think people understand that. It's like as much as you as we want to stop these external factors, it's literally impossible to grow unless we help ourselves and do better ourselves internally. So um, I'm happy that you even even brought that up because it's a very it's a very complicated conversation to have these days. No
0: it is like the definitely like this this current space we and it's it's very complicated uh, and and like i mentioned also as current uh, also has two books out the uh, thoughts of a fractured soul and beauty scars can you just give us like a brief uh summary of each of them and what they're about
1: yes for sure thoughts of a fractured soul was the first book i ever wrote and it's it's very loosely based on my life um so like all the characters are very similar like i was a, as a young a teenage father dealing with um uh, all the trials of having a kid at, at, at 18 years old or whatever, but instead in that book, because it's fictional, actually like reversed it and, and said, you know, like, what if this person just failed at everything, you know what I'm saying? Like all the decisions that he made were just bad, you know what I mean? So that, that's what that book is about. Really. It's about, uh, a person who is uh, a young man who's very ambitious and has all the, uh, talent and abilities in the world. His teachers actually call him ace because he aces every test, but poor decision-making has, has left him, uh, sta- stagnant and he's become mediocre. And so he's reflecting back on his life. That's why I call it thoughts of a fractured soul. He's reflecting back on his life. Okay. Um, and looking at all the different thoughts or different parts of his life that, that ended up left him to end up stagnant. So that's what thoughts of a fractured soul is about in a nutshell. And then beauty scars, um, it's a little bit way different. It's a it's a more of a, a, a magical realism story. So what I say when I say that is when I say that what I mean is that at the beginning of the story, I have a young girl named Treasure get hit by a car, and she gets hit by a car, and instead of becoming like scarred, she actually becomes more beautiful, and it so it talks about what it, the 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 deep the deep meaning of the story is really about what does it what does beauty really mean and what's the power of beauty and how how, how do young women use that beauty um in different ways and what happens when that beauty's taken away from you so that's that's a, the deep meaning of it but the surface level story is really like a love story of two young teenagers so one they they dream about each other and they talk to each other in their dreams and then they realize that both of them have had tragedies happen in their life and then they actually meet in real life um fall in love in real life and then um Again, like the 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 reality of sets in, and then tragedy sets in, and they try to figure out how they can live a life together. So that's this kind of surface level story of it. So yeah, that's that's the both books that, that are out right now.
0: No, definitely, man. Like I definitely want to uh, get into the thoughts of a fractured soul. Yeah, uh, because um, I actually have a book that um, uh, it's not published yet because I've been trying to do a self publishing, and okay. then the the title is actually start the life of a nobody. And that's mm-hmm. loosely based on, on my life as well. Growing up uh, back home during the Civil War, and then coming here, finding out that I was a father at what was seventeen, mm-hmm. and g- hearing about all this stuff, going through all those trials and all that stuff. But definitely, I'm definitely going to read it. It's crazy that there's like our lives uh, yeah, kind of mirror similar. It's weird. <laughs> like, wow, that's crazy. But um. You're a ghostwriter. Um yes. I've heard a lot about ghostwriters and I've never actually met one. So you're the <laughs> you're my very first ghostwriter. Like what what what's the process like let's say you somebody wants to do like wants to get a ghostwriter whatever like what's the process what happens with a with ghostwriting i know a lot we've seen all these books with ceos and everything and not half of them don't have the time to write those books oh but, no not even half yeah. of
1: them like 99.9 percent of them don't have the time to write a book the only only um uh, ceo or celebrity i've known who wrote their own book was phil knight he wrote True dog and he actually mm-hmm. went back to oregon and took classes on writing to oh, do wow. that but um ghostwriting is just that it's it's getting into other people's lives and other people's worlds and and creating their story for them. So most of the time it does happen to be CEOs cuz they want to tell their stories, but I've written memoirs too. Um, and really the process is is extensive interviewing up front. So you interview them, you interview their families, you interview their business partners, you interview their uh their their employees sometimes. Um, you just do a lot of interviews up front and then you uh, eventually come out with with an angle of a story that you think is going to work so with, after those interviews are done you kind of feel like okay this is the best um, angle there or this is the best uh, uh perspective that could that could be most captivating for an audience and then you start building building out that perspective and then you just write the then you end up writing the book uh the 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 good part is that it it can be lucrative um i mean you could make you know, anywhere from twenty thousand up, um, all the way up to a hundred thousand to ghostwrite someone's book. Um, but you don't make any royalties most of the time. Like they're they they do not you don't contractually like I have I I've I've personally never had a contract where they allowed me to take royalties and your name is not mentioned anywhere. So um I can't even tell you the people I've ghostwritten for. It. So it, it's 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 kind of that part gets kind of tricky you have to have a, a trusted name because um and sometimes like if because if you start getting into bigger clients they want to they want to know for sure like especially if they're celebrities they want to trust you so sometimes you have to get permission from the other people who you've ghost written books for just as a one-time exception to be like can i show this other person that i've written your book for for you um and they'll, they'll let that happen as a one-time exception um so it gets tricky but no there is that's that's the only part that we need to figure out a little bit better like how do we how do we get paid on the back end for creating a work that and sometimes like we, we've like on my team we've written books that that have gone out to do pretty well you know and we haven't making made a dollar back from that so um that's the kind of crappy part but again it's it's still fun i i i still enjoy it it's still how i make a lot of my money is through ghostwriting so i can't i can't knock it too hard
0: no that's 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 crazy so ghostwriters, people are the ninjas of the writing world yeah yeah like, <laughs> exactly they're there but you, ne- you never see them they are it's, it's magic for you but you never see them
1: that, and I mean- not only books sorry just quickly not only books we ghostwrite articles for for celebrities so when you see articles written on forbes or something like that mm-hmm. nine times out of ten it's a ghostwriter. when you see a a post um there's a po- Instagram post where someone's talking and it's a celebrity and they're doing, and it seems like they're doing like a scripted something, ghostwriter. Yeah. So I just wow. want to let people know it's ghostwriters do a lot. Sorry, wow. I know I interrupted you. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, that's okay. That's cool. But it's because sometimes I, I listen, I'll read some of these articles and I'm like, yeah, like he's really saying it, but then I think like, how does he even know about this? Like, why is he <laughs> even saying this? To- now I know why. Now I know yeah,
1: why. Now you know. Now, now, you know.
0: now I know why. And it's 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 crazy because we we all will read these books and we resonate with them and everything. Yes, it's based loosely off of somebody's life or whatever their thought process. But there, there's somebody out there that spent all that time. When like kind of work or walked through that person's mind and try to figure out what they wanted to say, and say that, it must be really hard sometimes. Because I know writers, you you tend to be personal with with your with your your piece, with your whatever you create, because that's a part of you. Yeah. Every time, every time you put that pen down to a paper, you're sharing a part of yourself, of your soul with that. Or with the people are gonna read that. So how do how do you how do you deal with that? That you know, like okay. This is a part of me, but it's also a part of somebody else. And it's I can actually, never claim.
1: You know what? It's actually a little bit more uh liberating because it's so emotionally um taxing to write about yourself and share your share your life and share your vulnerability. It's, it's there's a lot of emotions that that are attached to that. Um so when you're writing about somebody else, that's like, oh. I don't have to worry about like me being uh, sharing my life or being vulnerable. I've just got to do that for somebody else, and so it makes you feel a little bit more free to um, experiment and try different things and and really get to the heart of a situation. And then also too, though it it plays off each other. So you as a writer, you understand the. As an author specifically too, you understand the depth that you have to get to, to really connect with somebody. So you try to bring that into, into their world. If you're, when you're ghostwriting for somebody else, you understand the depth that you have to get to. So you really have to, um, push them when you're interviewing them and asking questions, I th- which I think is a part that a lot of ghostwriters kind of, um, they, they skimp out on a little bit and, and they don't get deep enough. And then those books don't connect, um, the depth there's, there's tools. There's so much content out there. There's so much, especially today. it's, it's. it's it's overwhelming, right? So for someone to really connect with something, you really have to go deep. Um, whether it's deep into uh, the knowledge of what you're what you're pushing out, or it's deep into the uh, like the emotion of your story, you have to go, you have to get to a deep place. If you don't get to a deep place, then you're just not, it's just too much surface stuff out there that you're just not going to resonate. So that, that uh, again, it's freeing because you're not going deep into yourself as a, as a when you're ghostwriting for someone else, you're just, you're getting deep into someone else's life. Um, so it actually makes it a little bit easier to be completely honest.
0: Oh, that's that's cool. That's cool. I mean, um, I I'm gonna make sure we have all these links posted to Kern's books and everything. But uh if people wanna get in touch with you, how
1: can they get in touch with you, Kern? Uh, kerncarter.com is the best way, or Kern Carter on on every platform: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's Kern K E R N Carter. That's I um I have a unique enough name to where I was able yeah. to get that handle. Um, so yeah current Carter, everything for sure and um yeah my books are on amazon both of them um thoughts of a fractured soul is also on on different platforms but again just type in current Carter, you'll see it you'll see everything
0: oh uh, yeah definitely i'm gonna make sure i provide all the links to uh, to current books and also to the medium uh magazine yeah. crime magazine please go ahead read make sure you actually interact with the with the with the articles, like them because I know Medium. I think that's how they track the stats and everything. Yeah, they do. Make sure you make sure you do that, please. It's not just read it; you gotta actually like it. Do the claps. I think it's a do clap. Do the claps. Do the claps. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. you gotta <laughs> do the claps, guys. Because uh, that's how you, that's how you're gonna make sure that keeps pushing and it keeps going higher and higher. um It's it's been uh awesome talking to you today, brother. Because I like I like I said I could keep going and going <laughs> the- on keep going all day but uh we've come to a point where i call this uh say it out loud and i always ask my guests i say what is one issue or one thing that is affecting us uh, usually it'll be as uh, affecting black men but this i want to just kind of expand it instead of as affecting the black community and um what are you would like to share with us that you like to say out loud what is that one issue that you like to say out loud and how are you working on addressing that issue and how can we
1: help address that issue uh the one thing that's really hurting i'm going to speak very locally to toronto right now mm-hmm. um the thing that's really hurting black community and black youth specifically in toronto is is this increase in gun violence um mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 something that's been it's been pretty steady it's, it's been a problem for a while now but um the the way that i see I have to tell a quick story. The way I kind of see the situation is that people overcomplicate how to address these situations. You need to occupy kids' times. To me, it's it's it could be it could be that simple. I grew up in I was fortunate. I grew up in community housing, but I also within that community housing, we had uh basically like a uh, almost like a 24 hour community center attached to my apartment building. So we could go down there and get f- food, get help with homework. We had a basketball court down there. Um, and it really saved a lot of our, a lot of the kids in that building. And, and it went till 11 o'clock at night. So parents didn't have to be home. So parents could go to work and do their thing. So it went to late at night. So we, we really need to find different ways to, to first, um, expose our kids to different situations, um, and, and occupy their time a lot better. So what, what, what I'm really working on right now is working on working in partnership with this program called Launchpad and Launchpad offers just that it's like a huge, um, if you can imagine a a very, very big community center where they use sports as their, um, as a draw. So you could go in there and yes, play basketball and, 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 and baseball and soccer and all those things. But then you could also go in there and get meals and, um, do workshops and all of this is 100% free, 100% free. You don't have to pay for anything. Um, I want to be able to bring that program to every place, every uh, uh, troubled part of Toronto. There are parts of Toronto where if if Launchpad was there, was inside of that space, um, and these kids could access that space for free, and after school, they didn't have to uh, go go home, and they didn't have to be hungry, and they didn't have to be alone, and they didn't have to be influenced by the streets. Um, they would. it would would literally save lives. Now, if Launchpad was in, in, I'm going to say Rexdale and Jane and Finch, which are two parts that I'm working on getting it there, if they were in those places right now, they would save lives immediately because it would take these kids off the block. When they're nine, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, they would take the allure of the block away. It will take the allure of um, uh, I want to go and I see this guy making money this way. It will take all that allure away and put it into something, com- expose them to something different. That's why I said uh, um, exposure it would expose them to, to, Different culinary foods, it'll expose them to different sports, expose them to different workshops on like writing, creativity, photography, expose them to workshops on coding, all that stuff for 100% free. So um, that that's really what I'm working on right now. I want that to be my 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 lasting kind of impact is really trying to build these centers in, um, in spaces where you could just occupy kids' times, literally just occupy their time so they're not on the streets.
0: No, that is awesome, man. And definitely I'm going to make sure I get all that information from you so I can share that uh, with the listeners uh, because uh, we have to be the generation to change those people. It's like yeah. We we have to be that generation. We can't keep waiting for that generation to be born because if we don't do anything and uh, the new generation coming in, their thought process is a whole different from ours. They're thinking differently. Uh, so we have to change the things now to be able to make it better for them. And yeah. um, like definitely, uh, I'm definitely gonna look look into Lunchpad and everything because we need we need we need things like that, things yeah. that can expose our kids. Because I'm listening to like how I built this the podcast with a guy uh, guy Raz, and mm-hmm. I'm talking to these founders, and half of them said, "Well, when I was ten, I had a computer." And exactly. this was back. In, this was back in like in the, in the early, in the in the late '90s or in the early '90s, and when computers were not accessible to everybody.
1: Exactly. So it's I'm exposure thinking, and accessibility and occupying their time.
0: No, definitely, definitely. Because I'm looking at it as like, well, when I was in high school back home, there was one computer, <laughs> and we actually had to have a computer class scheduled for all of us to go see it. And yeah. one person will come, you type this thing, take your 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 floppy disk, put it in there, do that one thing, and then you take it out. The next person comes and sits. Yeah. And it's been like 20 of us. So by the time you go back, it's almost the end of the class. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because
0: everybody has to have access. Like, and then I found out that there were people over here whose dad just bought them a computer and left it. And they were able to play around with it. And guess what now? They're the ones coding doing all the codings. I exactly. don't want to have companies like Squarespace and all that stuff, like building an entire company in your, in the, in a college dorm, because you had a computer at home
1: when you were, when you were 10. 10. And we exactly. have. Exactly. We it's have the kids. Same, it's, we have... I'm talking the same language. So yes. Thank mm-hmm. you. I appreciate it.
0: Oh uh, yeah. So we have kids that are not exposed to these things uh, and coding, coding is, Cutting is it, guys. Uh, going forward, our technology is going. You have, we have to have these because we, we don't have these uh, advantages. And uh, like you said, uh, kids are not exposed to these things because all they see is somebody on the block making money. So they think that's the way to go. Exactly. Uh, so definitely, I'm uh, definitely interested to see what Launchpad is doing and want to see what what you are you working with them, partnership with them. And please, if anything we can do, anything I can do, just let me know. I'm all Thank for you. sharing, all for sharing it. We also have another, another platform, which is 86 Majesty, which is a, it used to be called Black Men Who Blog. That's mm-hmm. the company, but 86 Majesty just push all the, anything a black man is doing, we're all about it. It's uh, definitely going to share that on that on that platform as well, just to make sure that people are hearing about it and um, have people know how they can help. And this, uh, I know, I want to make sure it's also about Toronto as well. Right? I mean, it's affecting everybody, even in America, it's the same thing. But let's push what Karan is doing out there and see how we can support a brother, right? Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, so, Karen, it's been a pleasure having you today. And I cannot wait to get this episode out to the people and just see how, how they react with this.
1: Thank you, man. It's been great. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired a scary movie victim. Oh no, a tree fell on my car, and there's only one thing to do. Trip over my own feet and pull myself across the lawn while yelling, Help! at a barely audible volume. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but you filed a claim with Geico, so you've got a designated claims team to help you. This Geico sounds suspiciously reassuring. Are you sure I don't end up getting surprised with an unexpected twist? Just that your Geico team will always be there to keep you updated. (laughs) What is it? Oh, nothing. I just didn't see that coming. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Fall is the most birthday-packed season of the year, so chances are you have a few celebrations coming up. Make sure your friends and family feel special with a gorgeous bouquet of roses from 1-800-Flowers.com. 1-800-Flowers makes it easy to send the perfect gift. 24 multicolored roses for just $39.99. To get 24 multicolored roses for just $39.99, Visit one eight hundred flowers dot com slash tune in. That's one eight hundred flowers dot com slash tune in.